Hey friends, Catlaw Hagquist here with a reminder that locally owned and artist operated bizbooks.net is still your best source for plays, acting books, scene books, teacher resources, and much, much more. And as you, like we, are clearly fans of Sabrina and YVR Screen Scene, we want to offer you 15% off your next purchase with the coupon code SCREENSCENE23. So come check us out at bizbooks.net. Sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social to learn what's new. And if you're in the Vancouver area, watch out for one of our pop-up shops throughout the year to come say hello and shop in person. Remember, Screen Scene 23 promo code is only available at bizbooks.net for a limited time. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Firminger. Today we're going to talk about a film that I can't stop thinking about. I've watched it a couple of times already, and I need as many of you as possible to watch it so that, one, I can have the conversations I want to have about it with as many people as possible, and two, that we will see even more from this feature film's creative team as soon as is humanly possible. The film is Dormouse. It's the feature film directorial debut from Avin Jogia, the celebrated writer and actor who is well known for a lot of projects, but to listeners of this podcast as one of the stars of the wildly bonkers and woefully underrated Netflix series Ghost Wars. Dormouse is, where do I even begin? It's like a neo-noir comic book and revenge film and female-driven pulp novel all rolled up in one. Dormouse is a burlesque dancer and failed comic book artist who's compelled to investigate the disappearances of two of her fellow burlesque dancers and finds, well, she finds a whole world of trouble. Gosh, that makes it sound straightforward, but it's not. Because the film operates on several different levels. As entertainment, for sure. It goes by way too fast. As my criticism goes by way too fast, guys. And the performances are electric and the writing is inventive. And I am obsessed with all of the actors, but most especially Haley Law as Dormouse. It's also a biting commentary on the power structures that exist in our white supremacist capitalist society and about trauma and toxic masculinity and addiction and how women are and can be at once commodity and predators and hot mess detective types and empowered. And I can't help but think about how this is something of a response to how, especially in this country, the disenfranchised can go missing and get killed and nobody bats an eye, and how the larger society just allows that to happen. Which is probably why I got chills the first time I heard Dormouse speak these words. When people like us show up dead, no one bats an eyelash. No one sheds a tear. But I did. So today, I am beyond honored to welcome Avin Jogia, the writer and director of Dormouse, who also pops up in a pretty key role, as well as my friend and previous podcast guest, Nido, who portrays Doe Eyes to the YVR Screen Scene podcast. Mm-hmm. Avin, Nii, 
Welcome to the Why We Are Screen Scene podcast. Hey, how you doing? Hello. I love, uh, I've always loved as a, as a thing, like, Nido, friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, I just I've always thought that was a cool thing. It's I'm like, a friend too. I'm a friend of the show now? Yeah, you uh, are. Um, I feel like we made it. You're, you're a friend. You're getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> this is why I'm here. That's why I'm here to secure. This is a process. This is a process. Yeah. I think that's also my reaction to how you said that as a reaction to your character in the film, who's kind of a dirtbag. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so Avin, this came from your brain. Mm. You've heard me describe it. What is your reaction to how I've described it, and how the hell do you describe this thing? Oh wow. Yeah. I, first of all, the reaction to you, you just—it uh, really is m my source of constant joy has been recently um, listening to people describe the film because trying and failing. And, no, because there's no, so no, much there of it. Succeeding because I spent seven years running around, going to production meetings and going to pitch meetings and finance meetings and then production meetings and then actor meetings trying to describe what this thing is yeah and what it is to me and why it's important and why it's bigger than just uh it's um it's uh a, a once entirely a pulpy fun bright little punk rock neo-noir and then and, and set in the same breath also something worth making and has a point and um there's messaging and there's a function to it's a functional film as much as it is an entertaining yeah film. But without being preachy, right? Without it ending and being like, "Wow, I've really learned something." Yeah, no, I hate a sycophantic sort of like um, uh, sort of neoliberal like glad handing and back patting. It's just like my my least favorite type of art. Yeah, um, the kind of art that we make for um, uh, the kind of art that um, uh, sort of the intelligentsia makes for one another, mm. or allows to be created for one another. Um, that's uh, no interesting, not, not no interest to me. So yeah, so I mean, to describe my film, I would say, um, yeah, it's about um, it's, a, it's very simply, it's about this this woman who's twenty five, who's a comic book illustrator named Mouse, and she and her friend um, are sort of like in the dead end part of the world uh, and of the city that no one really cares about them, and then these people start going missing from the club, and her and her friend Ugly have to figure out why that's happening, and then so they uncover a larger sort of conspiracy plot and and um but in a larger sense it's about the erosion of morals for me you have all these three specifically oh, yeah. these three characters um as you watch the film that have uh different stages of life and these different stages of morality and for me it's about like i felt like a coward and i wanted to create someone who wasn't Wow. And Mouse isn't a coward. She's, yeah. she's ready to go down with the ship. Yeah, she's not a coward. <laughs> but it's also it's delightful to see her also because she's like like this messy, yeah. grungy, almost like by law definitions, a loser. You know, and when you we know see her is, in that, which that, was great to see because we don't always get to see yeah. women in that kind of role. Yes. Like, I mean, that was, that was very, I was, that was very, it was very purposeful to be like, let's make sure that we don't do any... If I'm going to make a noir hero that has smokes a cigarette and drinks the whiskey and has the duster coat and investigates, I'm not going to change not a single trope when applying a woman to that role. Fantastic. Like, not one single trope. Because yeah. the moment I kind of adapt it, like, what's the female version of a duster coat? Yeah, if she drinks coat? the Cosmo, I'm leaving. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. exactly. If she drinks the Cosmo, I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of the fucking theater, you know? Um, so I'm like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, she's in like a, a leather jacket smoking a vape with a Cosmo. That doesn't do it for me. Yeah. So I'm like, it has to be the same 
thing. It has to be that archetypical, uh, archetypal sort of um, character, or, or uh, you know, you lose it for me. So basically, yeah, I was. It was a. It's an. It's an. Um, an effort to sort of explore. For me, the film is an effort to explore morality and yeah. to explore. Because again, I felt like a coward, and it, I, you can be angry and ineffectual. And she's angry and, and ineffectual, and then she finds her purpose. She finds the reason why, what, what's worth going down with the ship for. Yeah. Okay, wow, you brought a little bit more context to it for me, and yet I also feel like it doesn't really explain all of it. This is a film that really needs to be seen to be understood and believed. Um, but uh, before I get to you, Nave, front of the podcast, uh, Avid, you <laughs> talked about seven years going and talking to people, and you were putting this idea in their minds. Mm. Now you have a film to show and be like, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. And But though, during those seven years, what was the response? Um, I mean, what it was very much a journey. I realized a lot of things during my process of getting this film made. I mean, I made it was when I was twenty three. Um, this was, yeah, I guess, God, I would have, yeah, I would have been twenty fourteen, twenty thirteen, maybe was that twenty? Maybe, yeah, maybe I don't know. Time is an illusion. I, I we're all, <laughs> like, don't make me do math. we're all marching <laughs> our finite amount of it to the grave. But I don't know what time it was. But it was a long time ago, and this is pre. Uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. This is pre Jeffrey Epstein. And, yeah, and pre the, me too. Yeah, pre the sort of concept of um, sort of all the things that the film is about, and and all those things were that was the well, um, all those things were happening, but they're yes. happening beneath the surface. This is my point. Yeah, is that as it arrived at the mainstream, it became easier to get the film made. <sighs> And so, like, before, it was like, I don't know, what, like, a, this woman who can't go to the police because of social injustice uh, goes to, like, take down a sex cult. I mean, I don't know, it sounds pretty wacky to me. And then, unfortunately, to, and I take no joy in this, the film, as the, as the production went on, became more relevant. Yeah. And so I became, there was less resistance to that and that was scary to me too so to realize oh there was really a, a glass ceiling or whatever with the idea because so much of the time they just say sort of like coded things like oh I don't know I really don't identify with the character and I don't like what's her like I don't really know what her like in um her like intentions are or like what's 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 you know what what's her needs oh yeah and wants. it's all the language around these really vile corrosive things yeah, right really it's like nice language that, like I don't I don't understand why any of this matters yeah. is what they're actually saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, which is like weird, and you start to doubt your idea over the over the years because your hearing is about your hearing. It's because the idea is is doesn't have merit, like is mm. bad and doesn't have merit. And but you know, and this is actually literally just uh, this whole process is a um, a for me it was a a massive education in tenacity. Yeah. You know, without tenacity, this film doesn't exist. And without just being like, no, like, I know that you don't get it, but I, but I, these are real things that happened. Yeah. And I was, and and I was motivated, you know, as we all are aware of being Vancouverites, like, I grew up in, you know, in government housing and in growing up, like, sort of in just the Vancouver scene, you were aware of, like, the Picton stuff. You were aware of all that mm. stuff. It was a huge motivator for this. I don't want to make that film because that film's really sad. No one wins. Yeah. Basically, the cops didn't listen. People went missing. And that's the end of that story. Yeah. And so one person went to jail. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not enough. And so... And people are still going missing. Yeah, still. 
and and it's then the police are still you know so for me it was like what if we just made a person a community member who stepped up and was able to like find justice go yeah get justice that's cool that's a movie I demand watch. justice yeah that's yeah. a movie i want to watch yeah. well yeah well you made a movie that i want to watch and <laughs> i have watched twice okay knee Hello. Come into the microphone. Okay. What was your your introduction to this material and your first response to the material? Ooh, well, um, I actually got attached to the project because my husband, Gabriel Carter, plays Crawdaddy. Mm -hmm. And so he pitched me to Avin. He was like, hey, my wife is also an actor. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, and yet I can't imagine anybody else in this particular role oh she's so good oh well i mean he did write like he named it after me it's doe eyes, it's doe -eyes. <laughs> yeah. so. i'm so stupid no i didn't even make the connection i was like oh it's because you have beautiful eyes and your eyes are open doe -eye. fuck me <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's okay most people pronounce my name they're like nah i do so it's all good it's yeah. like nah, nah i do <laughs> <laughs> Your name is literally, it's Nintendo, right? Yeah. It is. It's exactly Nintendo. I, I, yeah. yeah. And I'm a nerd, so there's that. There is, there is that. Okay, so is it, you're so beyond Gabriel being, huh? Eh? 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 Yeah. Which Gabriel is maybe a master at in general. I mean, there's nobody, uh, local Vancouverites who may be listening to this, there's nobody who hustles people he loves into, <laughs> into projects and into other people's projects than Gabriel Carter. It's, yeah. He's got to be. It's he, a master. It's a special skill. He could teach a master class. It's like Jedi skills. He's yeah. like, eh? he's like, hey, buddy. Hey. I know where so, it so his, like, so hey, instead buddy. of like moving his hand and being like, you know, you don't need these, whatever, you know, he just goes, hey? and people are like, whoa, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. I see it. He's, like, hey, buddy. So I was thinking, like, my friend, insert Is great, great actor yeah. that he loves, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, you should, you should, like, look at him for this thing. <laughs> But but I, and he's but, right. And he's, he's always right. right. He's always right. <laughs> it is true. He he has a gift of of knowing where people are placed in in yeah. a story, and so. But I mean, it would say, you don't have to twist my arm. She, I I I've known me for years as well, and I you know it's just a great actor who's we've done so many self tapes together. Oh my gosh, it's that, true. You know, so you know what I mean. Like we, I knew that we knew the drill. You know, yeah, you knew, you knew that she could do it. But you get your hands on the. Did you did you read an entire script? Did you get sides? Like what? I did. I got I got to read the script. Like obviously, being there, part of the whole seven year process, I got to see the script evolve mm. and grow. Um and. But but to be honest, like the main skeleton was there. Like you had Weird. the whole story already. Yeah. Maybe a little tweaks here and there and added scene, but the the body of it, the meat of it, is the same. We've had bones, body, and meat. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. Threw it all in. Mm -hmm. That's too. The, the corporeal. It's <laughs> turning into a serial killer kind of podcast or or something. Now, was there anything as an actor? You know, because this is also uh, I think we've kind of referenced a little bit. There's some w women are going missing. There's some conspiracy. There might or might not be some ex sexual exploitation of women or something awful happening uh, to disenfranchised people. Was there anything in the material? that either scared you, intrigued you, you know, that, that that you were like, oh man, I haven't done this before and I want to do this, you know, so that I can have done this? Absolutely, across the board. I mean, A, you have a female detective. Yeah. And she, like, all the women in the story have agency. Yeah. They're all making shit happen. 
they're not waiting for somebody else to tell they they just go through and mouse is the initiator the catalyst for all of this and yeah. so i play doe wise who is the first girl at the club to go missing hmm. and to me doe wise represents the innocent the inner child in all of us that we need to protect and um and something that really stood out to me was at the very uh, is that, uh, you know, n normally in stories kind of like get a point across. We're like, let's slaughter the lamb, right? To get this point across. Mm. And that didn't happen. Yeah. And so I feel that that, that that in itself was not, like you don't need to have the trauma necessarily to, to feel the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, performative I, I trauma. I wanted bad guys getting their heads blown off. Yeah. Uh, there's, it was sort of a conscious effort to be like any kind of actual real violence towards our side, side we want to win, I don't want to see any of that. You yeah. Know? It's a, it's an important part. And also like, you know, um, like I said, like, like we sort of said earlier, like, you know, like there's a real version of this film mm. that is an important film that, but I don't want to make that film. I want to make a film where we walk out of the cinema being like, feeling empowered feeling like yeah. yeah we can do it we can stop them we can stop the you know the madness yeah and so like part of that was like adding the comic book element adding the distance of the fairy tale making it surreal making it high concept in a way god it's so stylized it allows well. us to get yeah. away from the horror a little bit and that to me is really um, an important part of it i mean one of the things that one of the highest compliments that i have to date on this on this film is had a DM from somebody who said who's gone through something similar than the characters in the show and said I can actually watch this film without having to like turn it off and like walk away and like, wow. be, be, be like over too overly affected by it. Yeah. And um, that's like to this day like still the highest compliment I I've been paid and and what was always the intention. Yeah. I mean like I just I don't I don't know I don't know how you feel I walk out of cinemas when we watch the tragedy. The tragedy exploitation film, yeah, like, yeah, it's all that trauma porn. And I, trauma porn, and I just, I, yeah. I can't do it. And yeah, I, don't, I can't. I, I mean, don't, I'm, I'm personally I, a sexual violence survivor, right? And like, there's certain things, like, I don't know, like, especially stuff that is told through um, a male lens you know that's supposed to be like oh yeah. you know this is this is like you know a woman and you know she's gonna go on this journey and you know but in order you know for her to like her journey like we have to see the trauma and then the trauma Can is I tell you how many notes i fought constantly yeah. they wanted to give her some sort of horrible sordid past yeah or like some horrible sort of thing to ha a horrible thing to have happened to her to motivate her to do these things and all my response always was was we don't ask die hard you don't ask John McClain while he stops the terrorists. Yes. He just stops yes. the terrorists. Wow. Yeah. And so it wasn't that, enough. It's not, it was like, she, her name is Mouse. She is, a, she, that's, she's a badass. That's who she is. I, there's no explanation. I don't need to yeah. create this sort of like tragedy porn. And I, I don't like any of like, whether it be like SA or like whether it be, um, uh, racial pain or whether it be like gender identity pain I don't like the commodification of trauma yeah. as a currency it's just like it just feels like again sort of glad handing neoliberals patting each other on the, on the back being yeah. like look how accepting and look how Look how, you know, look at kind of the films we produce. We make all these films about all these people. All these all issues these, too. Look at us. All, We're all confronting these issues. it. Well, again, yeah. it also attaches 
all these groups, marginalized groups, yes. to trauma. Yeah. Rather than seeing a trans person just like run around as a superhero with a cape. Yeah. That's the that's the movie. Want to see that movie? Yeah. I don't want this constant attachment to trauma. I also do in this film, ironically, want to talk about and attack the people who leave um, the real injustices like un unturned, I guess, or like not. Um, they they there's real injustice in the world where these people are uh, purposefully ignoring it, or if at best and at worst uh, implicit in it, and that's what um, I was interested in telling the story about. So I like sort of um, conversely, our story does explore pain and trauma, but even in that, I wanted it as far away from the audience as possible so that we can actually reach people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> do I have a follow-up question? No, like I, I completely agree, and that's why I want to see more. I want to see more films like this. I want to see more rom-coms about trans people and, yeah. and detective stories about you know um, South Asian Ukrainian women like yeah. myself. Like I just want to see because we have like these these nuanced lives, right? You yeah. know, it's that's why like you know, um, Upstairs Amy. I fucking love that film, you know, or, or that you series, a, right? You have a great quote about this that I've been stealing, and I will continue to steal Ooh. about the um, <laughs> what is it? It's about normalization. Yeah, like to me, like, and that's actually like one of my favorite, you know, other projects, Upstairs Amy, is because my character's identity is, is not about being Asian. Yeah. I just am a person. I exist. I am more than my skin color. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And so, like, to me, like, the script, like, the greatest change is normalization. Mm. That's the most effective change. Normalization, but without, um, without just making it, oh, we're just like homogenized white people. Exactly. You know, even going into, um, I noticed in a Doe's apartment, you know, like it was this big, messy, you know, apartment, <laughs> but there were like, you know, just like if you go to my home, there's Indian stuff and there's Ukrainian stuff, right? Like, you know, I saw like there was a fan and then there was like, you know, all these little touches that represent like, yeah, we're these people who live here in we're, this we're space. and Yeah, we're yeah. totally complicated. <laughs> You're very complicated, Nee. I know. Yeah, just like, uh, like the, not the erasure of one's uh, ethnicity and or background and or identity, but actually the inclusion and celebration of that is different. And like, there's just three routes, right? That you got an identity, you either go nor like make it mass homogenized, mm -hmm. you ostracize, or you celebrate. I didn't have another. Uh, eyes for celebration and I was really mad about that because I had ostracized <laughs> and homogenized eyes, but... and I needed another eyes oh. celebrate <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Doing it. or you can celebrate <laughs> or I ital like how about italicize because it's like anyway yeah, it's fine yeah. or you <laughs> can televise oh. them you know? well italicize oh italicize yeah I'm but definitely at a celebration like, italicize point with my identity now but it's been a long road yeah. you know of being like I want to be like everybody else but I'm not like everybody else yeah. well I want to run from it well you can't because it's who you are yeah well, I like it. Yeah. Yay. Welcome to the party, Sabrina, and all your different parts of your identity. Yeah, we, um, uh, you know, that, that, uh, we, you know, that, <laughs> we contain multitudes, you know what I mean? Like, we really yeah. do, though. We do. Well, we do. We're mosaics. Yeah, we Everyone is, yeah. right? Like, we, we, affect, we get affected by other people, other things, and, and I think it's a lie to, to just, like you were saying, like, homogenize everything. And we're not yeah. fractions either. No. Yeah, because yeah, I don't talk about myself in terms of half this, it's half that no, anymore. No, I'm no. both. I'm well, everything. when I wrote Mixed Feelings, and you'll probably maybe identify with this. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Because I wrote a book yeah. called Mixed Feelings. And the sort of the beginning of the book, 
what I'm sort of laying out with my sort of general like statement is about my manifesto about the whole concept is that like you know you it's it's your it's your bag of identities right mm. you're not you're all the individual things in the bag but you're also the bag itself and so yeah. it's like you're you are more than the sum of your parts you are more than the fractions into which we break ourselves up yeah and um that's always been really important to me as a mixed person too and i yeah. I, I, I listen to you speak now i can feel like We've and there's every mixed person I talk to has like you like are you on the what stage of the journey you on yeah oh I'm, you're at the stage that you're just like oh yeah I'm just my mean. sister and I are totally different <laughs> yeah. as well we have the we're the same yeah. makeup same yeah. parents but we're totally different yeah. different place you know and 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 now I have a daughter who is Filipino and Indian and Ukrainian and English and I'm trying to you know empower them mm -hmm. you know so that they can be not think of themselves as fractions and be mm -hmm. like yeah you're how amazing your family is from all of these different places yeah, your yeah. ancestors walked in all of these different places yeah. you know so so my kid is in a different place than even my sister so i i am so excited about this conversation because i don't even know where we were going to be going uh today before we leave though um we were talking about, about you know your response to material knee and then mm. we were talking about uh you know the, the trauma and yeah. and the, and the um implied or explicit violence what kind of conversations did you have on set around you know the because we do we see some or it's implied uh some egregious acts you know of of violence you know against disenfranchised people you know what did like you know you as a as a director and writer what did you do to make sure that you know your actors wouldn't feel traumatized or re-traumatized in some way what conversations did you as an actor you know have like i'm just i'm curious about the conversation around that because especially as you say you spoke to somebody who had been a survivor of human trafficking and they were like actually i wasn't triggered you know at all like and i think that's like that and you know I, I i get that there was some thought care and conversation that went into that so can you bring me into that process a bit yeah i think um as a film um, your, your process is always uh, different and there's different situations that like sort of different reactions to different situations that you can um, I, I've always maintained that um, in all these things uh, whether we're doing um, stunt work or we're doing work that involves any kind of like any kind of sexualness or like the body involves your form as a person let's say yeah. at stunt work anything like that sex scenes whatever um, over communication is key and allowing there to be um, and I, I you know what it is I guess it's and this is why there's the industry runs into so much trouble about this it's either a sense you have as an actor or you don't because I was also an actor I also am an actor for, you know 15 years I did a show where like you know on fucking aliens and stuff like a really like sort of graphic uh sex show directed by greg araki which is a, a yeah. famous queer filmmaker um and just filmmaker extraordinaire and like just an, an amazing amazing uh man and a, a, a mentor of mine um and i would say that like part of it was just that i got the sense that i could come to them with anything mm. and i would be listened to and, and you wouldn't sense, lose your job either. And I wouldn't lose my job. Yeah. And that is a sense that a director has to not just have, but actively put out. Yeah. You have to look people in the eyes and you have to be like, anything. And we change it. Yeah. Immediately. One of the actors uh, was not, it's not related to the um, um, the stunt stuff, uh, or the, the, se the ending of the sexual acts and stuff, but there's no sexual acts in this show. But you know, I know what I mean. Like that, that whole sequence when there's like, 
implications. I, I'm trying to talk around How do you say, it. Like, yeah. what's the word to use for it? it's? There is a situation. Wait, hold on, hold on. If you don't want spoilers, I want you to um to you could forward like twenty seconds. 20 seconds. Yeah. yeah. So there's like a like a sex slave auction. Yeah. 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 But no, no nothing's <laughs> happening. No, but, but it's, it is. That's what the that's what's happening. You know, yeah. like so that you know in order to welcome like, back people who forward it. <laughs> in order to do that scene, um, you know, you have to have these great conversations and and and. Um, and ha- have the ability to be open and communicate communicative and 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 the actor know that in, like, in their heart yeah and um this is not to do with that sequence but uh, one of the actors was really uh, weird about stunts she, uh, i think she had been hurt in a stunt at one point Ooh. um and she sort of had trauma around the stunt and she was like um i don't want there's a scene where i'm breaking a bunch of like the, the characters are breaking a bunch of jars in some rich person's house yeah and the, and the actor actress playing the rich person was like, I don't want to be close to the breaking jars at all. Yeah. Like, I, I want to be as far away. And originally she was sort of, it was supposed to be happening around her. Um, oh, and wow. then, yeah, it was like, no and, yeah. And so she, I, I, in one of the blocking, the first thing breaks and I had her run away, like kind of, I'm like, okay, so how do you solve that creatively? Because you have to solve your creative problem. Yeah. Um, but you also have to, and it's like it's like uh, rather than being the dictator that's like no no this is my vision and this is uncom- I'm uncompromising that it's like to me what's more fun is like okay so now that's my new problem how can I solve it that's, yeah that's exciting so like that character can also stay around that also or she could run away in the corner and cower and yell and try it to fucking phone, works too like cops. it works for her yeah. character like, exactly. absolutely like she that's what she does yeah and then um, you know, we shoot the scene rap and everyone was rapping and then she came up to me and she was like. Um, incredibly effusively thankful because she's like I've had directors in the past who just don't like will not don't understand my trauma around this and will not concede and again it's just like basic human empathy yeah you understand and also being able to identify when someone's if someone's coming up to you even if they're not like like it's it's like going three steps ahead if someone goes hey you know I'm just sort of uncomfortable around stunts what I do is I don't go, oh, well, why, why, why? I go, oh, there's obviously something has happened that has created this environment. Yeah. And so there's something to. It's huge if, if an actor is going up to the huge, director to huge. say that. I know because I know yeah. I don't do it because, you know, you don't want to get in the way of the production no, thing. You want yeah. everything to go. You want the wheels to keep on. So turning. the courage require it shouldn't and it shouldn't have to be just like. I need to have courage, right? No, you know, and even the small, I mean, exactly. It shouldn't feel like it, it's already such a big thing, even to do the subtle thing of like, hey, I have, I actually have hangups around this, and understanding the human courage that it is to do that, yeah, and then it being re- have to receive it with like respect and um, uh, and we can make concessions. We can find a solve. It's yeah, always a solve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what's exciting for me too. Is also with these situations, it's like. Doesn't matter what we run uh, run up against, because I'm always solving problems. Whether it's a a beat that doesn't make sense for an actor, or again, it's like you know, I'm coming with this. I you know, I um, I'm coming with this energy today. Yeah, I'm going through a divorce right now, and you know, an yeah. actor shows up on set and they're like going through personal stuff. That's also something that I you know that I'm receiving as a as a filmmaker and as as the as the master of ceremonies or whatever the you know i'm not exactly you know i I don't like this i don't i don't really like the concept of like i'm the auteur thing although i really believe in a single voice for a film yeah it also comes with all this garbage about how you're supposed to behave as a director and you know i'm 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 just leading the i'm just of course correcting people Mm. and listening to really good 
um, advice and listening to people who, if, if I've done my job right, really good people who can do the job. Yeah, actual collaborators. Yeah, with me, it's like, you know, we have what we had like 25 minutes and a handshake to yeah. make that, that, that final scene. Like, you know what I mean? It was the last scene of the day. We only you know, had 12 hours, and so we were, you know, 12 hour shoot days. So, yeah, yeah, we had 12 hour shoot days, 18 day shoot, no time. No time. Wow. So, we're cranking, we're screaming through scenes. I'm shooting like five scenes a day. So that key scene days. that last time that we yes. see, no way. We shot that maybe like, I don't know, maybe an hour tops. Yeah. Maybe an was, hour. That was my first scene on set. First scene ever. And I was like, okay, <laughs> but the thing is I've hired the right. And that doesn't mean, and I think that a lot of filmmakers be like, like think that like considering people's feelings means that we're not all here to be badasses and get shit mm. done. Cause we're all bad here to be badasses and get shit done. Cause yeah. it's the film industry. It's intense we all know the drill that doesn't mean that all that intensity and doesn't have room for empathy empathy and actually that's the whole fucking game the whole game is we're, <laughs> we're trying to exactly. we're trying to create in the in, in the middle of the machinery in the middle of the mechanization of the film industry trying to create these little pockets where feelings can exist so we can explore the best possible scene there's a part of me like that sounds so impossible yeah. but like obviously yeah, it works it yeah is, everybody's got to be committed to like, it me, too right me was like when i got on set um i i knew what we had i knew what we had and there's always and it's not a it's like it's tiny adjustment if i'm making tiny adjustments then i know that we're like in the like, real house i mean how did you feel like well i mean you want to give yourself more credit i mean like we were running behind and and he never made me feel like because we were running behind i it was it was my fault and i had to yeah. work hard you know sometimes you can feel people's stresses mm -hmm. especially when you're in such a open state vulnerable state vulnerable state yeah. right you're 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 kind of you start feeding off everyone else's energy and Avin, for not for a second, made me feel like I would lose time or that there'd be less shots or that I just wouldn't be comfortable. No, you, I think, and, and I think maybe that's your background as an actor. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you understood what was required. Yeah, it's energy manipulation, right? That's what we're doing for a living yeah. as actors. And so uh, when you have somebody who's like, hey, so, um, cause we gotta, you know? Exactly right. So, then what do, what do you do? How do you? What's going on in my in head? head? That's not at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, no yeah. he met me at my energy, at my level every time, and I, I felt so safe. Mm. And I think that was another thing too, like the the conversations that we had on set, as well as like with all the background, mm -hmm. right, with all the BG, yeah, all in vulnerable states in that especially hotel that sequence, yeah, the hotel sequence, sequence, the hotel yeah. sequence, right? It's you always drove home that we were in a traumatic situation, but we're portraying real people. Yeah. So we all felt comfortable. And then you also like put ADs around to check in on people regularly, mm -hmm. make sure they were okay. Yeah. And, and, and that was so much, it took extra time, yeah. but it was necessary. And also within all that seriousness, trying to keep it light. Yeah. Yes. Because if it's it is a really dark scenario, but if we're like, ha ha, silly, we're pretend people, because that's what it has to be. Because we again, we are just a bunch of adults, yeah, doing a silly child play time thing. Yes. So like, yeah, you guys have weird jobs. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maintaining that energy is, I think, critical for for especially stuff like I mean, every sex scene I've ever done, 
it, it, like it's it's a comedy from beginning to end. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the experience it's of true. doing it, right? Like, yeah, it's not very sexy. And no, that's, and, that's, and that's how we keep the energy from me people feeling uh, like it's sliding into people's boundaries and stuff. Yeah, if it's funny and like, look at this silly thing that we're doing. Oh my god! Like we are able to like, um, it never gets like super low lidded eye no. serious. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, so then, like you know what I mean. Like sort of, you avoid constantly that sort of like dipping into that energy. Yeah, and then whatever action cut, whatever that ha that's that's you know the, whatever the, the what's required for the scene. But then like you know keeping it silly outside of that is really important. You definitely did that. Yeah, you you he was like playing with the suspenders, being like, "Hey, being a little yeah, basically, a little goofy. basically being a huge ham." Yeah. Oh yeah, he was doing a little jig. He's like, "How's it going?" Yeah. <laughs> How are we doing? How disappointed we... you did not wear suspenders today. No, I didn't, uh, I didn't. that's very disappointing. I tired of suspenders, but I am wearing the dormouse coat. Holy shit, you are! <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I will eventually retire this. It's it's gone on tour with me for the whole movie, and I think it's it's time. To so like you it. brought you brought some dormouse vibes in here. I I appreciate that. Okay, I want to take a little bit of a, a kind of a it might seem like a weird pivot, but it's, I think it might be connected to the energy. Tell me about why and how you ended up filming in Northern Ontario, mm. and how filming up there. In my mind, it's like oh, up there. Yeah, um, how that weird. impacted, you know. Um, the experience of making the film and also what we see on screen? Well, um, I would say firstly that this is a Vancouver film in its heart and its in its soul and the and its even its textures and colors and sounds and smells. Like I grew up in Vancouver. It's a love letter to the city. It's a love letter to the sort of punk rock community in the city. It's a love letter to the women who were like writing in comic books and like in three bands and like just sort of people I really admired growing up uh, who I thought were just really like artists in the truest sense. Yeah. So it's a love letter to all about that energy. Um, there's tax breaks in Northern Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to be perfectly honest, like when I visit, when I went to go scout Vancouver to shoot, the Vancouver that I grew up with is gone, mm. largely. I mean, gentrification is a real thing. Yeah. You know? Um, and so the areas that I remember as my old haunts are like things that I like, you know, pool halls and like, oh, things that I remember wanting to shoot. That's all. They're gone. They're all coffee yeah. shops and like, you know, there's, you know, nitro beer combo <laughs> coffee combination places. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, how many breweries do we need? I mean, like, I love beer. Of God, of course I do. So but yeah, we really don't. We don't need that many. I'm we don't sorry. Need that many. We, I, I don't you? like beer. Yeah. I like people who like beer. Yeah, but, I like you know, people who like there beer. There are so many. <laughs> we could go to a different one every single month. Like, yeah. I don't think we like it quite that much. No. But well, that's you can't. And the, the, those all used to be places of culture, places of you know of of community, and that's all sort of been homogenized and gentrified. Yeah. So the, the the Vancouver I was trying to capture just from my childhood just wasn't here. Yeah. And so we looked around other places that people shoot. Uh, my producer was a Kyle Mann, who's a local Vancouver guy. Um, it was actually his uh, his off commercial drive, where I did most of my growing up and 
Yeah. You guys still you know, hang out and it's we're right, all there. Right. Yeah. So um, it's but, still that now commercial drive, although it's changed quite a bit, yeah. like it still has a great vibe. There. Yeah. There's still like I would there's say still the, the artsy weirdos. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you like, know, and the old there. the old oh, Italian yeah. man and there's like still me and Gabriel yeah. there. So. We're there and all the Italian shops. Yeah. Yeah. There's we're some all pe- still there. There's some people. Yeah. Like, Lobo's there. Like there are a lot of people there. Keeping the yeah. Um, but yeah, so then we looked at other places and, uh, you know, um, uh, Sudbury is an economically depressed place. Mm-hmm. Um, it, outside of other than lovely suburbs and lovely yes. schools and all that stuff, but it's sort of downtown core is m- a mini um, area that I remember very, like sort of being close to what I remember Vancouver. The Sudbury the used strat- to be like a, like a, it's a like mining a, town. It's like a nickel, right? Yeah, Wasn't that there? They have the giant city. nickel? Yes. Yeah, the giant yeah. nickel. It was closed when we were there. Uh, the, yeah, they I think. They closed a giant nickel. They closed it. They put like a tarp over it? Like a giant <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, you could. No you nickel could for you. Walk up there. They're like, oh, okay. no. Ridiculous, but no, I think um, Sharon Taylor. I think she filmed uh, Bad Blood up there, oh, which is so funny for me because I'm watching Bad Blood and it's supposed to take place in Chattagee mm-hmm. in Quebec, which is yeah. where all my Ukrainian family's from. I'm like, that's not Chattagee. That's not Chattagee. There are like some cool buildings, but that is that is that is that is. And also, I know Sharon had gone up to Sudbury, so yeah, yeah. so they're doing a lot then to attract yeah production. It was a really great place to shoot, honestly. Huh. Um, and. Um, yeah, everyone was really welcoming. And what I like about shooting in places that are not so jaded by the film industry is there is really like a, we're making a movie. Yeah. I, you know, I, that's the energy I try to bring yes. every single day to set. I think uh, uh, that's uh, almost ad nauseum, maybe. Is it like, you know, we're making a picture. I just really You're there with your suspenders and your cigar and doing your thing. We're I making mean, a picture. I mean, like, Let's put me, on a show. It's like, that's not far off. No, it, no, it was. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do like Ed Wood energy, but without the, you know, like the like quality control with Ed Wood. <laughs> like, with the quality control. Yes. So, um, yes. but uh, yeah, so shooting there was really lovely. Everyone was very welcoming. And um, that sort of Venables commercial drive, Strathcona, that yeah. is now so built up. Yeah, that's like there's miles of that stuff, and and and, um, and we had our own little like punk rock uh, movie studio. We were our offices and five five of our sets was in a, an abandoned church, and then across the street there was a um, sort of a, an auditorium slash uh, play like like refuge place for for the houseless in the area, where they like there was a and also a punk rock bar in the basement of that. Yeah. I mean, it was just really, it was like, we got to this place and we're like, oh, every single thing that we need to shoot is here. And we actually, the reason this movie was made for uh, 33 cents. And so quite, so just a few nickels. Just a few nickels. <laughs> good old nickel city. But it doesn't look like, I mean, and I love, I grant it, I love indie filmmaking and I do love films that are made for 33 half sure. cents, right? Um, but this didn't have the... Oh, what's a the word that I can't? Even, it didn't have the whiff. <laughs> it didn't have the whiff of being made on a you know a, a big giant Sudbury dime, right? Or yeah. your nickel, nickel, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, it, like it, it's just, and I think it's you know because what you had fired on all cylinders, and you also elevated to like the animation is really dope. Cool. You know, the like all the acting is really dope. The right, like it's just definitely firing on all that. So and honestly, just going back to sort of like the G Willikers were making a movie energy. I was trying to foster that because it really did make everyone better yeah we, when we remember what we what we're doing is so fun 
I mean, yeah. Nicole Simmons, the production designer, Mike McLaughlin, oh, wow. the cinematographer, yeah. uh, Jennifer, Jennifer, the wardrobe. I mean, like incredible. we just, we had incredible people bringing their like talents to this film and uh, trying to get, and, and luckily it's a world that allows them to explore yeah. joyfully. Um, and do the big thing. Go like, give me like the biggest version. Give me the coat with the duct tape all over it. Give me like, what's the most depressed couch that you can find? That's like, what's the most? It's the kind of couch that's so depressed it yeah. needs like a therapist couch. Yeah, to yeah, lie yeah, exactly. It needs yeah. own therapy couch to be like right beside it. So like, yeah, so amazing. I think people really could felt like they could explore, and that's what I, I wanted to foster as well. And so this is a long winded way of saying that Sudbury. Um, was where we shot the film. <laughs> also, great, like, great answer. You know, great. Answer. Yeah, it's a punk rock film, and I felt like you. It it wasn't just like in its style, but like you. That was the ethos that you brought as yes. well. Like it was very DIY. And, yeah. And like every, off- I think every film has, um, a mantra, or like a. A a, a theme that it's it's that it, that it has, and this was we do it. We do it. Like, Mouse is like, people are going missing, we do it. We figure it out. Yeah. So the film itself was like, we do it. No one's coming to see this. Wow, and what I love about that too is that, especially in the indie film world, a lot of it is like, you have to ask permission. You have to ask permission for the film to be made. You have to ask permission, you know, for like, and like permits and money and stuff. And it's like, fuck it, we do it. We do it. We do it. I mean, I spray painted walls. Oh, My, yeah. You painted hallways. Um, <laughs> yeah. We did it. We did it. We did you know, it. Like, um, like we do it. Like, what, what's what? All oh, this needs to be happened. Like, how are we gonna get? We do it. Um, and having this sort of punk rock, uh, creating as much as my job is to course correct for people. It's the same job. You create an energy and a centralizing, um, a centralizing dogma that everyone can happily march to. Yeah, and get excited to march to, because you're going. You're sort of going. You know, it's like part war, part art. You know, <laughs> like it is. It just Dude, is. Yeah. You know, there's like you know, there's creating stuff in Canada. It's crazy. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I this question is, I, and I'll be interested to see if there's any um, overlap in how you both handle this one. But we'll start with you, Nee. What was your when you think about the experience of filming? What was your most memorable day on set? I mean, so because it was a very DIY, like Gabriel uh, and I were on set even on days when we weren't filming, yeah, just to support. And so I, I know he's being me. He just did a mm. <laughs> <laughs> because we got to see a dear friend make his first fucking movie. Like, how amazing is that? Yeah, and it was one of those surreal moments where you know when you're living, you're experiencing it in real time. Yeah, but you're a little executive control voice in the back is saying, huh, oh, I'm gonna remember this. Mm. I'm gonna lock this away in my little heart for those deep, dark nights of the soul. Oh, exactly. And I'm gonna pull it out and be like, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. And and it was that, and and also, it, so there was Gabriel I. Avin, who, who acted in the film, and also another mutual friend, uh, Landon Lebron. And so we got to experience in like tandem, right? So if Gabriel was on set that day, working with Avin, then with the handlebar mustache, oh, the handlebar mustache, we would be able to experience like our dear friends working together. Yeah, 
Gabriel acting, Avin directing in his element. It's like, wow. And then we all kind of switch. Isn't that funny? None of us acted together. No, I know. That's a mistake of mine. I will correct that on the next one. On the next one. I'll have people actually that I love. That's right. To act together. No, How they you all, together? It's also the nature of the structure, right? Like, you know, door, like Mouse and Ugly go around and they meet all the wacky characters. Like, yeah. it's sort of like the structure of like the noir thing. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is true. It is like none of them got to act together. Um, yeah, I mean, I think my my memory of this experience this is so much to take in so much to take in but my fondest memory will be knowing that my friends showed up for me in, hmm. in my hour of need and was like you know was there for me to make this film because it because um, yeah like all the other stuff aside that's what the spirit of filmmaking is to me yeah is that we all like you know whenever i look at my favorite filmmaking eras or uh groups of people it's just a bunch of people being like yeah we should we should really work hard to get this thing done and yeah. try to try our best to get this thing done and how can we go about problem solving and how can we all be on board for this idea and i feel immensely honored that that all my dear friends were on board for for my silly little idea i had you know um, that's a that's something I'll, I'll always treasure. So this film just wrapped a pretty substantial run at the Vancouver International Film Center, uh, and I know that you've done Q and As, and I know that mm. Ni and Gabriel were there for a few of the screenings. Mm. You know, has there been anything in the response from the audience that has either surprised you, you know, or have you learned anything about this film in particular now that you have, you know, it's not only had this run, it's now available on VOD as well. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people are watching it. So is there anything that you've learned about yourself as a filmmaker, yourself as an actor, you know, like through the process of now you've made it and you've given it away to other yeah. people. Yeah, we're giving it away. And that's that's the, that's the, the final, the final, hurdle is the acceptance of the of the giving it away and because again especially because it was diy i mean i was making the trailers yeah and the promotional material edited all that myself wow so, like i every single part of the process i had a hand in dragging this thing kicking and screaming into existence <laughs> yeah and so um i've learned a lot from from the audience members and the Q and A's, I think what I've learned the most was um, how when you like I said when you walk around a film and you pitch a film for years and you hear everything that's uh, every critique that they have about the movie that you made, you start to be like you start to not be able to see what it sort of gets in your head or it gets sort of blurs your vision as to what you actually are trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And so then when, luckily I've got the movie, luckily the movie got all the way to the end without being completely altered by these notes and that thought and my own insecurity about hearing those notes and yeah. like, maybe I should make it about this and trying to change it. I, I was able to keep all those dogs uh, at bay, you know, um, and now it's out. And now listening to the audience who I was intended for, the people yeah. I made this film for, I can see them in my eyes. I close their eyes. I can see all their bleached eyebrows, and I know I know them. And their gauges, and they're like you know they're like they're like Dragon Ball Z T-shirt. Like I know I can see the person I made this such song a for. specific picture of your audience yeah. member. Like I, you have to, you have to like who am I making this movie for? Yeah. I'm making this movie for people who are my age when I wrote it, 
23, angry, like, at systems of power and oppression and want a hero. Hmm. And that's who I made this film. So for, and then you close, then you release the film and those people are the people now watching your film, not the people in the film industry, but the people who you made the film for. And they're bringing up things that you laced into it, subtle things, ideas that you laced into the movie yeah. when you had the confidence to. And thankfully it's still there. Mm. And you can listen to them be like, I love how like, you know, it's sort of like a critique of, uh, of, of, of like feminism from the past and how that's not enough. And like, what, what bodies do we, does as a society, do we deem as disposable? Mm -hmm. Like these are all things I'm, I'm, I've laced into their, the script on purpose. Yeah. And now I have people who are watching the film, like, reconfirming those ideas to me yeah and that to me is a, a mind-blowing experience and that's like it goes to show you, anyone who's like trying to make a film right now um your job is to protect the original spark of the idea from harm hmm. because don't worry when the thing's out the original if the original spark is there the people who you made the film for will be so thankful for it wow yeah. yeah, I think you you had a, you spoke from the heart, and that's but that's but that's what I mean to like the new filmmakers or people trying to make the film. There are so many. The level of doubt thrust at you, mm. I know. and the just and going back to this film is a film of we do it. It's tenacity, like that's how this film got made, and that's the that is the that is the underlining thrust of this of this film, and I think that's what I would say to young filmmakers um, is that, yeah, protect the spark because that's, that's what that's, because now I'm, I'm literally re to add long winded answer to your question. Uh, when I'm screening the film and watching the people react to the film that I made for them. Yeah. Uh, I see that I protected the spark. I did, I did it. I landed the ship even, even through all the notes and the people saying you shouldn't make a film about this or there's no value to this or blah, blah, blah. I was able to land you the ship it. and I can see the person actively watch it and be like, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> okay, so Avin, I feel very comfortable saying um, that you are now a friend of the pod. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As we come to the end of our time together uh, today, I'm so, I'm so excited about this film. I want people to watch it. Uh, I will put links to how people can find it um, on VOD. And also, um, Avon was talking about some possible upcoming theatrical screenings in some very exciting cities soon. So watch your social media. Yeah, again, it's a DIY punk rock film. We're gonna do some like, throw it up against a wall and project it and- Literally throwing it against the wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah, we'll just keep the, you know, tour, the, we're gonna tour the movie a little bit. Fantastic. Well, I got one more question for you, Avin, then. What does this film tell us about the kind of stories that you're gonna tell moving forward? I think this will be my, this is certainly the angriest film um, I, I I want to make <laughs> like as far as like what it wants to talk about and um, I think what I'm interested in and what I've taken away from this experience is I just want to see films that we love and know conceptually with people that we haven't seen do it yeah um, I love twisting a genre I love seeing 
and finding a reason why to shift the genre, not just like, you know, let's plug in these people and like, you know, like a, a real reason to, to switch the genre. Yeah. Um, I, I want to make movies with parts for people like me. Like when I came out of, when I was a young actor and frustrated and, and didn't really like the parts that I was receiving as a brown actor, I wrote this film. Yeah. And I wrote the film and that was my reaction to the writing of the film. So I want to continue to do that. I want actors to look at the screenplay and go, whoa, like I, they never let me do these parts. Yeah. They never let me do these parts. That's me is like, that's what I, um, if I had a, a dream for the kind of films that I want to continue to make, that's what, that's what it would be like. Yeah. Fucking fantastic. This cool. has been great. Thank you both for being here today. Where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on all the socials? Um, I am uh, an Instagram at J-O-G-I-A, Jogia. Okay. Oh, you you, cla you claimed your last name. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am also on the Instagram at uh, N-H-I-T-E-N-D-O. Nintendo. Oh, Nintendo. <laughs> the, the absolute best. Yes, the absolute best. best. And we're going to see Nee back here again very soon with possibly her uh, hashtag industry BFF. We were talking about that. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a good one. And this is the, probably the last of my episodes I'll be recording with my laryngitis voice. Oh, you mean your Kathleen Turner sexy yeah. voice? <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you hear that? Can't even laugh properly. Um, but singles in your area. Are waiting to talk to you. <laughs> Dial this number now. Well, actually, I'm going to just say all the stuff about the podcast uh, now in this voice. So <laughs> thank you both for being back here today. Fi look in the footnotes for, for information about how you can watch Dormouse. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what you both are working on next. And for fuck's sake, Universe, do not let us wait another seven years before we get uh, another film from these phenomenal talents. All right. Listeners. Thank you for being with us today. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review. You can find us at ovrscreensy.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon, that's a thing, at Scene and at Sabrina Arf. The Wire Scream Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Rani Mera Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger, definitely for the original music. Wire Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. Okay, this is my last one. And cut. Hi friends, Kat Law Hayquist here, and I'm excited to introduce you to thedramaclass.com. Thedramaclass.com provides online workshops and classes designed to provide inspiration and instruction in the sometimes overlooked areas you need to be successful in your acting career. Things that they don't often cover in studio classes. Things like tax prep for actors, the power of costume and getting a job, what to do if you primarily work on camera and find yourself with a voiceover audition, what you can do to adjust your performance to the camera lenses being used, and so much more. Maximize your opportunities by filling in the gaps that will make your craft your career. Visit us at thedramaclass.com, sign up for our newsletter, follow us on social, and explore what will take you to the next level.